The Bragg Harvard Mohammed Smith Why We Can't Wait Scholarship has made another year of awards to students at Grand Rapids Community College in Michigan. This is a unique opportunity for people planning careers in public service because applicants and their recommenders are asked to speak to the applicant's cultural competency skills. Skills needed in everyday life, but essential for those going into public service. If you'd like to donate to the BHMS scholarship, you can do so by going to grcc.edu backslash give today. Greetings, everyone. Welcome back to T, the Educational Architect. I'm Moore Salata, your host. And in this episode, my conversation continues with the following guest. My name is Azizi Jasper. Um, I am a, an esteemed former student of Ms. Muhammad, of course. Uh, I'm a spoken word artist, um, recently a published author. I'm really excited about my book. It's entitled COINTELPROSE, The Poetic Musings of a Kidnapped African. Um, available at barnesandnoble.com. Uh, I'm also a social worker and a campaign, political campaign strategist. You went to East Kitwood? I did, yes. I know Mr. Warfield. Okay, so I was like, I know that name. Wow. Yeah, Mr. Warfield, man. I love Mr. Warfield. Like, he... I'll never forget him, my favorite instructors, no matter what. Miss Willems was my favorite instructor in like fourth grade. Like, Mr. <laughs> Warfield was my favorite instructor in, in high school. You were my favorite instructor at CC. I just will never forget my favorite teachers. Now, that Mr. Warfield had a bunch of animals. Was that Mr. Warfield had, had an the... entire, he had the Amazon rainforest going on <laughs> in his classroom. Whenever I had some free time, I would go in Mr. Warfield's class and just hang out with the lizards, try not to get bit by one of the snakes. It was an amazing, like, hands-on experience. Well, see, I think that it too goes with thinking about, you know, human literacy. What are those practices that we actually have to do? We got to work at it. I read somewhere our natural inclination as human Mm -hmm. beings is to keep our circles filled with people who are similar to us. That's our natural Mm -hmm. protection. Like you kind of look like me and we do this all the time. We're from the same neighborhood. We're from Mm -hmm. the same, we're Mm -hmm. on the same street, family, street, neighborhood, school, you know, (laughs) constructed race you know, all that kind mm-hmm. of things like this is familiar to me. So pushing outside of that to expanding the people who we see your, mm-hmm. I can see your humanity, being able to understand your access to the same things that I want or have access to does not take mm-hmm. away from what mm-hmm. I have. It expands. And this goes back to, and I think that's what Mr. Warfield's class did because both my daughters went to East Kentwood and I have a bunch of other kids because I had a bunch of kids in my house mm-hmm. go there. And I've gone into his room and I'm not a real animal person, but mm-hmm. the atmosphere, the mood, the the environment that he built, just allowing that interaction was mm-hmm. comfortable. It somehow affirmed. It just, it gave you a quiet spot sometimes. And when you're a teenager, all the chaos. So mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I'm not down with all these animals, but I still feel it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that moment, those are reflective moments, right? And 100%. I have to say, I was surprised that, you know, Azizi, my wordsmith friend, and now, you know, former student, now colleague mm-hmm. and friend was like, oh, the science teacher. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, because it wasn't just the science teacher. It was a room full of creatures that I couldn't really see anywhere else. I think it was Jurassic Park where they had the famous line, you know, you have two types of people in the world. You have astronauts and you have astronomers, right? I've always been an astronaut. Like you can point at something all day and tell me that, you know, what it does. But in, until I have the opportunity to operate it myself, I'm not going to fully understand it. And you know, I think it just goes again to not just painting, you know, everybody in such broad stripes. Some people you can put them in a book and they can follow the instructions and they can just figure it out and they have, they retain the knowledge. And I've just never really been that sort of person unless it's a subject that I am just absolutely ecstatic about. And that didn't happen that often, you know, in my early years of school. So I really appreciate the professors and the educators along my journey that gave more than one option for their students. And you were certainly one of those people that it wasn't just a one size, you know, fits all scenario. You know, for instance, the class that I instructed in dealing with the children with the behavioral issues, the young men, most of the time, the young men walk in and they have the hard face and they're, you know, they're trying to, you know, be tough or whatever the case may be. They're and flexing. Always, they come they're flexing. in flexing. No. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And I always made it a point to smile at the young boys, like always, you know, and because smiling makes people smile back. The young girls, not so much. You have to deal with them differently, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, so it's one of those, you know, scenarios like when an instructor really works to understand their pupil on a human level and does kind of a, a SWOT analysis, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. Okay. Um, you know, what are this, this child good at? What is he or she? Um, what do they have a proclivity to pick up easily? What are they not so good at? Where do they need a little bit extra help? What's the opportunity as far as where they are versus their potential as far as where, you know, they can be? And what are the, the threats? What are the impediments that are between, you know, getting them from point A to, to point Z? And how can I assist them in, along that journey? I heard you say all that and you had a lot of students. So are you, is this something that you are getting, you know, versed in and being able to do as you engage with them, like being able to oh. like, <laughs> like repeat, like cycle, like what, how are I you was, working this in practice, dude? I was building the plane while it was in the air <laughs> for like the first year. And then after the first year, we had like a curriculum and like a syllabus and those sorts of things to kind of go off of. But like initially, it was like, hey, Baba Z, go upstairs and just, man, make sure they don't break anything. So <laughs> I know but, when you hit me with the SWOT analysis, but yeah, it makes sense. But to do that, so, <laughs> so your classes, that program were the students who had an alternative and a shorter stint there to try to get themselves back on track. But how large were mm -hmm. your classes and were they both, you know, mixed with boys and girls? Yep. They were co-ed boys and girls at the like lowest of enrollment. We probably had about 10 at the, at the most, we probably had about 30. Of a lot of personalities. Way, a lot of personalities, a lot of attitudes, a lot of moxie, a lot of frustration because, because those are the those are the um characteristics that got them there in front of you Absolutely. so they definitely they're definitely not checking those at the door thanks for listening to the educational architect we will return after this brief break man i got a faction of four opposing brothers 
that were there for fighting each other. I'm like, how did you put all of them in my like program? Like what in the world? But the disagreement was something so incredibly trivial. By the end of the 90 days, they actually ended up, you know, really pretty cool with each other. I think just on the topic of like literacy, right? You, it's, you know, as we said or whatever, there are different versions of literacy and like emotional literacy and emotional intelligence is something yes. that our young men and women, you know, really need to work on. It's not just our young men and women, it's just being about being a young man or a young woman. You don't have yourself really figured out. And with men so often, young boys, we are taught to really have like two emotions, like at most. It's like, you know, happy or indifferent or angry. We don't deal in sadness because sadness is per perceived as a weakness, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, these young boys that would come in the classroom and they would, you know, have these scowls on their faces and they'd have their, you know, their, their hats down and they're not trying to make any eye contact. They're not uh -huh. trying to interact. You know, oftentimes, like the certain instructors would take offense to that. They would say that, you know, you're not listening. You don't want to be here. Clearly, you're not trying. But if you look down, like deeper on the surface, like there's something in everybody that needs to be activated. Mm -hmm. There's something in these young men that needs to be activated. These young girls needs to be activated. And I believe it was Marva Collins, the, the famous educator that said, students don't fail, teachers fail. Okay. And I think that's a bit of an oversimplification. You can't just necessarily say that because, yes, students do fail, too. There are people that just, for whatever reason, there's that blockage and they are preventing you from reaching them. That certainly does exist. But mm -hmm. I think that that's probably, based off of the 300 or so people I've seen, that was less than, I would say, 10 people that fell into that category. Some you just have to pry a little bit more. But those are the ones that are really rewarding. When a young person sees you consistently care and sees you consistently work with them and sees you consistently trying, I think it's human nature to, to kind of meet your instructor where they are. Yeah. And you said two things that I want to echo, and that was the word activate. I like that. You have to activate something that's in these students, our children. I also do my best to try to remind myself to use humanizing language. Often when we refer mm -hmm. to people to students, students, student, we can do stuff to them or about them or talk about mm -hmm. them in a way that's not human. So I yep. like the fact that you're saying these young boys and girls, these are children, but you activate them because they've already been sort of in a certain extent triggered in a way mm -hmm. before they even get to your program they've been activated but in a very triggering way yes. and so for you to activate and then direct that action someplace mm -hmm. else <laughs> to help them work some things out i mean i'm going to take that away is thinking about you know how can i activate and then direct yeah yeah no definitely and i i just i think that you know in dealing with the demographic that i was dealing with like you know you know that i am, you know, passionate as far as, you know, African liberation and working with, you know, little black boys and girls to kind of fill in some of the blanks that may be missing. That's, you know, really a, a passion of mine. I mean, not just young people or whatever, you know, young people, adults, everybody in between. There's so much just untapped brilliance and potential within our young people, like in particular. And, you know, it's easy to commoditize our, you know, our culture or whatever, and, you know, take the shiny stuff out of it and then turn your back or whatever on all of the negativity that makes the culture, you know, so dope actually it makes the culture what it is like, you know, hip hop, for instance, of course, there's, you know, a ton of violence and misogyny and there's a ton of, you know, negativity or whatever in a lot of music. But when you listen to real hip hop, it always puts it in a certain context. And 
if you listen to it a certain way, you understand that it's a mirror of, you know, society. And if something in the mirror is ugly, you know, breaking the mirror doesn't do much good. You have to fix whatever's in the mirror. <laughs> no, I'm saying like you bring in, you know, that culture, big black American culture through what we get in hip hop and talking about, you know, putting a price on a cost or you can purchase, you know, everybody's mm-hmm. culture. But that is another way of thinking about literacy. When you said real hip hop, mm-hmm. you know, helping them understand how to dig deeper, because what we get from when we go to social media, wherever it is that they're going, when they're downloading the latest, whatever, mm-hmm. it's getting them to push past that and actually finding where it is that I think we both us know that the humanity that we get through hip hop was. It was about real. It was about some of those emotions, those real, real emotions. And absolutely, um, like I think about the Sugar Hill Gang, and I think about one of my fave faves is mm-hmm. Eric B and Rakim, because mm-hmm. he would throw things into his lyrics. He would say, "I'm the best," but in such an intelligent way. Yes, you would be like, "Well, I guess you are better than me," because <laughs> you, did, you did not curse me out at all. But yes. I walk away knowing that fish is your favorite dish and i will go buy you a plate right now eric b rakim because you just destroyed me without saying the n word or the b word and i don't know and so i want to also just ask well how did that come i'm still amazed that you have 90 days Mm -hmm. with people who have experienced so much for the first 14 15 16 years of their life yeah. Yep. And you got 90 days to do something. So I'm interested in if you want to go there, how did you activate them? And you said something else. This is why I really enjoy talking to you as a poet, because you have all these little phrases that you there's normal to you. And then I hear <laughs> them like, this is awesome. All right. And I'm down like, how do we activate? And you said fill in the blanks. That's a whole nother just shift in perspective mm-hmm. when you're engaging with another human being. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. even when, especially when you're engaging in our children who have been troubled for so many years to say, sure. how can I fill in some blanks? It's just an awesome perspective to give mm-hmm. to teachers and educators. Definitely. So definitely. I just mm-hmm. feel like you were doing some stuff in 90 days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was definitely uh, giving it the good college try harder than I tried in college. Actually, it was one of those situations and like filling in the blanks, I think is a really good way to describe it because it's just about relationships, right? Any sort of, you know, relationship, whether it's husband and wife, boyfriend and girlfriend, student and teacher, whatever the case may be, there's always a give and take. Thank you for joining me for this episode of The Tea. We welcome you back for future episodes. I'm Moore Salata Mohammed, your host and producer. The music you heard at the start of this episode was composed by Kasira Mohammed Smith. And until next time, sumum bonum and ubuntu.